So let me ask, what's something your spouse does that makes you feel loved? I feel loved when my husband brings me coffee really early in the morning when I'm tired and don't want to wake up. Over the years, my wife has given me several very nice gifts. One year, a gold ring. She made a plaque of a heart for Valentine's Day, a tablet for Christmas. Uh, Just that's something that makes me feel loved. My husband makes me feel loved when he takes the kids out for a little while and gives me some alone time to do what I want to do. One of the things he does that makes me feel loved is I'm usually up and out the door before he is, and he knows that having a bed made is just one of those things that I really, really like done, and he does it. And when I get home, I'm like, oh, the bed's made, and I just feel so good about it, but that's just one of those little things he does. Whatever your style is, we're so glad you've decided to join us for the Loving Well podcast. Uh, Today we'll be describing meaningful ways to show love to your spouse. We're going to put a special emphasis on the way a wife can love her husband for this episode. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife Erin, and uh, we've probably touched on this before, but what's something that makes you feel loved? John, I like it when Erin is being playful when she's being funny, a lot of humor, even actually to take that a step further when she's doing a practical joke. I know that sounds weird, but something about when she's trying to scare me or do something like that, it just causes me to feel loved. Mm. She was at a board meeting one time and my sister was in town. And so my sister loves to watch scary movies. And so she said, well, hey, since Aaron's going to be gone anyways, why don't you and I watch a scary movie in the basement? And so we were in right at the most intense scene. So you think about the scary movies going on. Something's happening on the TV. Yeah, it's just it's, freaking me out. Yeah. You're All of edge. a sudden, my sister screams and points to the door next to me. So we had the sliding glass door oh, yeah, yeah. open oh. so her dog could run in and out. But so she screams and points and goes, there's someone in the door. And I looked and went, and I couldn't even process because sure enough, there was someone with a ski mask oh. pulled down, dressed in all black, holding a knife. And so I, I can't, I, again, I can't process <laughs> that, that what is to like do. beyond Exactly. And yeah. so well, instantly my sister kind of threw the covers over her head. And I'm thinking, well, how's that going to help? That <laughs> knife will go right through that blanket. I'm like, run. So I'm just about to jump up and do whatever. And all of a sudden, I realized that the sinister figure there is kind of bouncing up and down. And all of a sudden, I realized it was laughing. Oh. And now the ski mask comes up and over, and it's Aaron <laughs> standing there. I do have to defend so myself scared. a little bit. Wait, wait and... a minute. He had to defend himself. You had the knife. <laughs> it wasn't a knife, John. Okay. It was blunt toddler scissors. <laughs> okay. It looked like a knife oh, in the dark. Like I, gonna, preschool I thought we're going to get into some liability <laughs> yeah, issue no. here, and we're going to have no, because, people calling us. And... Yeah. He texted me and told me, we're watching a scary movie down in the basement. Yeah. So what is a person to do when you arrive home and you know that's going on. And your down. spouse doesn't say, I'll come up and say hi. Right. Ooh, so yes, I, I went down it. to greet him <laughs> just to help him feel loved. But okay. for me, it's very different. I would hate that. Yes. But he has trained me Something well. Something a little more thoughtful. He likes yeah. that. For me, I love written words of affirmation mm. and gifts. I love that. And in combination, wow, I can remember finishing um, the book, 10 Things a Husband Needs from His Wife. 
And I was exhausted, just like at the end of my rope. And Greg came home and he handed me an envelope and I opened it. And it was just written words of how hard he had seen me work and my perseverance and on and on and a $25 gift card. And I started weeping (laughs) out of control. And he's like, what? What did I do? And I said, oh, no, these are tears of joy. But it was such a blessing to my heart. It just affirmed that he had seen how hard I'd been working. And he gave me a reason to stop working and go shopping and have some fun. Yeah. That's awesome. And as a side note, she said she wrote the book, 10 things a husband needs from his wife. I still argue it's only three. (laughs) So feed me, sleep with me and scare me. Okay. (laughs) So you get seven bonus. We'll we'll encourage you to get the book. We'll link over to it and uh, you can find out if scare me is part of the 10. Yeah. So if you've been married for a while, you know one of the big adjustments to forming a healthier relationship with your spouse is learning how we communicate differently. Um, My wife and I have been married 35 years. We communicate differently. And uh, we want to help you better understand that dynamic as we hear a conversation Jim Daly had with Dave and Ashley Willis. I think that so many of the problems in marriage really start with just a breakdown in communication. I think that there's lots of husbands and wives that really are doing the business of life, but they're not really talking about anything deeper than shop talk, you know, where to take the kids. And I mean, it's just, and that's no way to live. God wants us to have a vibrant, thriving marriage. And we have to be able to talk about deeper things like our hopes, our dreams, our fears in order to have a strong marriage. How many wives are screaming through the radio (laughs) right now or the podcast or what have you going, yes, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. We struggle with that. Um, Mm -hmm. We struggle with going deeper, (laughs) particularly as guys. We're both smiling. I know, we're just smiling right now. (laughs) Why? Why do we want to keep it superficial? Oh, man. I think some of the communication mistakes we make in marriage is that men talk to their wives as if they're men. And wives talk to their husbands as if they're women. Well, that's like, so true. We, we talk yeah. to each other based on how we relate. It, but God put us together as a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, vastly different. And so part of it is just understanding we're wired up to process communication in different ways. And this is biblical, but it also there's there's neuroscience behind this. And there's a little bit of this in the book. But we've had to look into this a lot just to to help us in our communication. We both majored in communication in college and thought, this is going to be a breeze. We we're going to get communication. Yeah. We'll have problem. marriage down pat. Yeah. <laughs> about, about six months in, we're like, do we even speak the same language? Like, how, no. how is this so hard? Mm. And Okay, that's hilarious just for a minute. You both graduated with communications degrees, and you struggle in your marriage at times. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You guys should be the experts. And far from it. Yeah. But, I mean, we <laughs> just write a book, we consider ourselves encouragers, marriage encouragers, because, you know, it's hard to be a marriage expert because we're not perfect people. You know, we there's just all of us imperfect, mm-hmm. different families coming from different backgrounds. And so when it comes to communication, you know, like he was talking about the neuroscience, something that we found out. And when I heard this, I laughed because I was like, that is so true. It says that, you know, men really communicate better when they're side by side and when they're doing an activity, whereas women communicate better face to face. And I laughed when I read this because I was like, oh, my goodness, when you go into a restaurant and you see two women, two friends, you know, having lunch together, they're leaning in and it's like a ping pong match, you know, talking back and forth. Now, if two guys are doing the same thing, they're going to try to find the seats where they can be side by side and they're watching sports and maybe carrying off a conversation. But, you know, you rarely they're not going to choose if they can choose not to be, you know, across from each other because it's just it feels uncomfortable to them. It's terrifying. You know, and, you know, and (laughs) first few times in marriage, as much as we we had good communication, but 
it would scare me when she would say, we need to talk. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's a bad signal. It scared me to get to death. But I realized over time she was just saying, we, I want to connect with you. Yeah. I want to really connect with you. Yeah. And so we found ways to do it. And we found for us, um, we kind of fit into that mold of men communicate better side by side. When mm-hmm. we're on a walk, when we're a on drive. a drive, when we're doing an activity together, all of a sudden it's like my mind and my mouth open up in new ways. But when we're looking at each other and the whole purpose is to talk, there's something in me that shuts down. And so we've we've had to you know, work through that. And the more research we've done, we've seen that's kind of common. I think yes. one of the reasons for that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the reasons men need to process, and I don't know mm-hmm. that wives understand that. Um, we can maybe be quick on our feet, but I think with our wives, we're a little more thoughtful at times. We need to think, right. okay, why is she saying that? I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand. Now, women wired the way you're wired with your brain chemistry you're like firing on all cells (laughs) bang 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 and we're just going okay whoa but it's true i love the honesty we heard there from the willises and greg and aaron they explained how women love to communicate face to face but men we tend to prefer to be doing something kind of side to side in our conversations if a couple doesn't understand that there can be some conflict and um, I'm sure you've helped plenty of couples learn how to navigate that, right? Yeah. First of all, it's recognizing that the differences between us, those are never the problem. The differences, how God created us so differently, that's beautiful. That's an amazing part of a marriage. We get into trouble when we don't know how to navigate mm. those differences. You know, just a simple one for Aaron and I is that, you know, she's more extroverted, I'm more introverted. So even early on in our marriage, we would have all these people over at our little apartment, what seemed to me all the time. And I remember one time I, I said to her, hey, could we just have like one night where, where we're just alone and no people? And she looked at me like I was crazy. And like I there really was genuinely was like, what's wrong with you? Why would you not want people over? And it wasn't every night. It was every night in the weekend specifically. And you wanted to have one weekend night mm-hmm. to where we didn't have people. But as I began to understand who Greg was, it was super helpful to know that he was an introvert, that he didn't enjoy people at the same level that I did, and that it was very draining for him versus for me, it gave me life. And so it's important, first and foremost, to recognize that we are made differently. And more than likely, I will often say this within my counseling practice, when I see two people sitting on my couch, I'm just going to assume that there's going to be differences in the room. They're going to have different personalities, different communication styles, different tendencies, different quirks, and it's okay. And both matter. Mm -hmm. And it's important that as we understand each other, that we allow room for both of us. I mean, even like now, so we'll go out and travel and do marriage events together. And even when we're done, I have poured out. I don't want to talk. I am done. No one else talked to me, including Aaron. And she now knows that's not personal. Yeah, you yeah. need some space. Yeah. It's just you. It's not her. It right. used to hurt my feelings yeah, yeah. because I'm just getting warmed up after oh, we finished my. a weekend yeah. event. I mean, I am just <laughs> chatty Kathy, And I look over and he's got his noise-canceling headphones on very consistently. <laughs> on and I, yeah. I, take it, I used to take offense to it because I'd be like, do you not want to talk to me anymore? Yeah. Is that a disconnect? Like you don't, you're, the proverbial wall has come up. Yeah. But now I understand that he just simply needs some quiet and some recharge time before we get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so funny this one time. It was just 
on the airplane. So I'm on the aisle seat. Aaron's in the middle. There's a woman sitting next to her. So I put my noise-canceling headphones on. I'm just listening to music, kind of getting recharged, spending some time with God, just listening to music. And when I kind of woke up, I hear that while I was kind of zoned out, Aaron ended up having this amazing conversation with this woman and like letter to the Lord. <laughs> like I had no idea all this ministry and evangelism yeah. was going on next to me. Oh, wow. And whereas that's what I need. Mm-hmm. I need to recharge in that yeah. way. It's just, I, I love how we're different in that way. I appreciate that perspective. And let's go ahead and hear now from somebody who has Uh, talked to couples worldwide. She's written a book called Happy Wives Club. It's Fawn Weaver. Uh, You can look for Fawn's book on our website. We'll link over to it in the show notes. Uh, But Fawn spoke to Jim Daly and me about what makes for a healthy marriage. You decided to take a trip around the world, literally, uh, which is interesting in and of itself. Why did you think you had to go to Asia and Australia and Europe and Africa to talk about Marriage. I'm an overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice. (laughs) So when when I started the Happy Wives Club, it was literally, it wasn't meant to be some big blog. People had to tell me what I had was a blog. And they'd tell me, you should be posting articles. I'd say, why? This is just a club where I said, I am happily married. My girlfriends are happily married. If Desperate Housewives and the Real Housewives of wherever you are and all these other wives show, if they don't represent your marriage, if your husband isn't a cheater and isn't a buffoon like they show on TV, just post on here, I love being married, I am a happy wife, and let's shine a positive spotlight on marriage. That was it. That's all it was meant to be, a bunch of women coming together to say, hey, this is a safe place to say my husband rocks. And that's okay, right? <laughs> How many countries? Uh, well, at that time, it was only my four girlfriends, <laughs> right, that were all within a 20-mile radius and my mother. Okay, who was got to have mom. Got to have mom. So it was, it was basically those five. But now today? Uh, 120-something countries. But we moved into 22 countries in uh, less than four weeks when I first began, and we were doing it by email not by Facebook and all this social media stuff. So girlfriends sending it to other girlfriends they knew who were happily married and just were tired of seeing how poorly wives were portrayed on television. It's actually amazing that um, we're okay aiming for the lowest common denominator rather than the highest. Yeah, yeah. You know, why not? Why not talk about the good stories? Um, Your worldwide tour, you ended up uh, encountering and interviewing couples. What did you find when you talked to these people? And what were you looking for when you landed in Perth or in Tokyo? Yeah. I mean, did you just look for married couples you could talk to? Oh, no. These were vetted married couples. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. These weren't people I found online. Okay. So what I did is when I decided I wanted to share this message of happy wives around the world and what makes a marriage not just good. We know enough about what makes a marriage good. I wanted to know what makes a marriage great. And that's what I set out to do. And I didn't think that it was fair to just stay in the U.S. because we experience different things in the U.S. that are uh, quite different. So what works here, I thought, would probably be different than what makes a marriage great in Africa or what makes a marriage great in Asia or makes it great in Australia. I thought it would be pretty different. As it turns out, it's the same. And that I think was the most shocking thing is that I would sit with someone from South Africa and then sit with someone from the Philippines. And it was almost like I was having the same 
conversation. Right. And if I hadn't recorded all of it for proof, I don't think anyone would believe me that there are so many couples around the world and they're really following the same principles. So what I did is as I was interviewing each couple, I would just sit with them over dinner or over coffee and I would just let them talk. I wasn't guiding the conversation. Right. But what I did to find these couples is I reached out to people that I personally knew around the world who I trusted. And I said, this is what I want to do. I want to show couples that have not just been loving each other for 25 or more years, but have been in love with each other for 25 or more years. Point me to that couple that behind closed doors, they are the same people they are in public. And so that meant that people were having to point me to those that were either parents or aunts and uncles. It had to be someone who was intimately a part of their circle. And here's what was funny. It was not difficult to find these couples because everyone knows a couple like this. Mm -hmm. And we all kind of look at them and just think they're the unicorns. And the thing is, is that if we spent more time around them, then maybe we could all be the unicorns. Right. More like that, more successful in our marriages. Absolutely. And that was the goal. If I could tell the stories, and I didn't just interview wives, I interviewed both husband and wives because I wanted to see a few things. One, I wanted to see how they interacted. That could not be told on a video or, or on paper. I wanted to see how they looked into each other's eyes, how playful they were, what that dynamic was. And I have to tell you, around the world, no matter where they were born or their background, what makes a marriage great is the same. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, You could relate to the story. In 1992, we started the International Division here at Focus on the Family. For years, people had written to us saying, can you bring Focus to our country? And we'd send back a polite letter saying, no, (laughs) basically. (laughs) But finally, in 1992, uh, the board and Dr. Dobson agreed to start the International Division. So we uh, went on trips around the world, two or three of us. Pab Jackson was the vice president at that time. And I remember going to Kenya, and I sat with Dr. Lillian Wahomey, who was a psychologist in Kenya, and she and I had lunch, and I said, you know, Lillian, we'd like to go global with Focus, but do you think it'll be relevant? And she laughed, and she said, well, it's like an American to think you invented the family, (laughs) which I thought is a great line. I love it. And I laughed. I I said, fair enough. But she said, as long as you're sticking to marriage and parenting, it's the universal language. And she told me that in 92, and you're really validating that, that whether you're in the Philippines or South Africa or Europe. Guess what? Husbands and wives, moms and dads struggle with virtually the same stuff, whether you're in a a village, a rural village, or you're in the big city of the world. It's all the same. Listen, one of the couples I interviewed was an arranged marriage from India. Okay. How'd that go? It went fantastic because they decided after the arrangement, they didn't want to have marriages like their parents where they didn't really like each other. They wanted to figure out how do we like each other? So we started off with the I do, and now how do we figure out if we're going to be together for the rest of our lives, how do we really enjoy this? And what I loved about the husband, Abraham, is he said something that every man before him, every husband before him said, and he said, I respected her from the beginning. Now understand, an arranged marriage, he doesn't have to do that. It's not a choice. It's it. He does not. He's got the girl. He's got the girl. And everyone would support him demeaning her. I mean, that culture 
is not, at least in the time they got married, it's getting very different now. But at that time, the man completely ran everything. And he looked at her and he said, what makes our marriage different from all the other arranged marriages is from the beginning, I respected her. Huh. Yeah. That made a difference. This is Loving Well, and as we continue with Fawn, let's go ahead and hear how she applies respect to your everyday relationships in marriage. Fawn, speak to that woman, though, where that respect for her husband has been lost for some reason. Um, Hopefully not infidelity or something like that, but it's gone, and she struggles. You know, I'm I'm the breadwinner. He doesn't seem to engage the kids. He doesn't train them spiritually. All the should have, could haves, and you don't do's. Yeah. Um, how can she begin to think differently and invest in her marriage in a way that really, in the end, ironically, makes her more joyful and happy? Yeah, I I think one of the big things, and and I'm happy you touched on infidelity because one of the things I talk about in the book is is honestly, this book isn't for those who are going through that. This is not a book that is going to help you turn your marriage from horrible to wonderful. This is a book that is going to take you from good to great. We have to have some basic foundations on this one. And infidelity really does break that bond. So that's counseling. A separate situation. Completely separate situation. But when you're looking in, in any wife, and I've spoken to a lot of them, where they will lose that respect, it kind of goes back to you had how many billion people in this world to choose from? You chose him. This wasn't arranged marriage, not if you're in the Western world. Why did you choose him? Write those reasons down that made you forsake all others and go with this one. And usually if they just do that one exercise, it will help them get back to understanding, okay, this is number one, why I chose him, but number two, understanding it was your choice. And so you have to be responsible for your own happiness. Your husband is not responsible for your happiness. Yeah, that's so true. Sometimes in life, it really is the little changes in perspective that can make a big difference, and that applies to marriage. Uh, Aaron Fawn mentioned respect is a trait for a strong marriage. Uh, Talk to wives. Why is it so important for wives to show respect to their husbands? You know, John, it's interesting because men very uniquely long to know that their wives respect them and that they like them. Uh, It's easy when we first get married to, you know, that to assume, gosh, we love each other. But there's something that is respectable when their wives continue to genuinely like who they are. And it's easy as a wife to get our eyes off what we genuinely like about our husbands when we get frustrated or discouraged or we're busy, worn down, we're not connecting. And so it's important to go back to, we talked about this in a previous episode of, you know, what was it about him that drew me towards him that I agreed that I would spend the rest of my life with him? Mm -hmm. We call this, you know, make a cherish list. What is it that I cherish about him? A man longs to be affirmed by his wife more than anyone else he interacts with throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So there's such an opportunity there. As we make this cherish list, take it to the next step and speak it over him, that this is what I see in you. Erin, I really like what you're saying, because the word respect means being esteemed, which is all about value, being affirmed, uh, being appreciated, being liked. The other day, I overheard Erin talking to her friend, and I don't know how you guys got into talking about this, but I heard my name come up, and ends up telling this friend 
that she's noticed some changes in me, noticed some things that I've been doing as Positive of lately. Yeah. yeah. Like I initiated coming back to a, a previous harder conversation that we had had. There was something that, that took place and we didn't really get into an argument, but I had noticed that Aaron had brought it up several times. And so finally I went back to her and said, okay, you've, you've mentioned this a couple of times, man, if there's something that you really need me to, to hear and understand, I'd love to do that. Like it matters how you feel. Mm-hmm. If, if you need to, I'd, I'd love to talk about it. And as she picked her jaw up off the ground <laughs> in her surprise that I circled back to that, she's like, no, nah, no, there's really nothing, but boy, I'm so glad that and mm-hmm. thankful that you you circled back to see if I was doing okay. Hmm. But I'm just overhearing her say this to her friend. And I'm telling you, John, it was like I was a little puppy, just panting, <laughs> just running around, just just praising the Lord. Yeah, yeah, me and our dog. But it, it's because that type of affirmation you know, speaks to a man's heart. When, yeah. when we know that our wives recognize something maybe that's changing or that we did that she really appreciated, Ah, that that's respect. You know, when when she thanks me for things that I've done or that she's noticed, it's I'm so drawn to that. Yeah, in in some ways we're little boys that just need to be constantly encouraged to, yep, that's the right thing. That that's the manly thing to do, right? Yeah, and yet that's respect mm-hmm. because we feel esteemed, we yeah. feel valued in that moment, and that's such a powerful thing. And Aaron, you talked about this a little bit, but I've never forgotten this. And you shared this research that women naturally affirm each other. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you just watch two mm-hmm. women who encounter one another and they're talking about, oh, those are amazing shoes. Where'd you get those? Oh, I love your hair. Oh, that outfit, that color in you so beautiful. Guys, we just don't do that naturally. You know, John, when you and I greet each other, there's none of that. I, I rarely say your hair looks great or I nice. We did you notice would. his vest today, yeah, though. Today so we had a nice conversation yeah. about his vest. That's true. You did do I've that. I've learned to embrace the feminine <laughs> side of my life Thank and you. to show respect to you for what you wear. But 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 in all but in all seriousness, <laughs> though, that's how it appears yeah. to guys. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, well, we have to embrace this feminine side if we yeah. do that. So what happens is that we don't naturally validate and affirm each other. But women do that so well that I think guys starve for that. And that's why, Aaron, to your point, that our wives have such an amazing opportunity to mm-hmm. to help to do yeah. that. I'm not putting that responsibility on them. No, but it's a lot of power, and, and it's a critical thing for wives to realize they have that power. They wield that power of showing respect for and gratitude for their husband. In fact, um, we're going to hear now from Rhonda Stoppy and her husband, Steve. Uh, they sat down with Jim Daly and me and talked about a time when Rhonda realized that she could choose to be happy. Steve and Rhonda, welcome to Focus. Thanks. Oh, thank We're you happy very to be much. Here. <laughs> She's very happy. Well, I'm looking forward to this. She is quite happy. Yeah, so I want to know what's the secret sauce. It's Why are you so happy? I Coffee? make her happy. No, it can't be that. Come it's on. Me. It's people. Come I'm on. I'm gonna ask you that question. I'm serious. What what is it? You know, honestly, it's not my bent to be so happy. It's not who I would have been if when we first got married. The wife that you thought you were going to be, the wife you meant to be, the one when you were dating that you LOL did all his jokes and everything he said was super funny and all that, <laughs> right? Wait a minute. That's not super funny? Well, not, it's uh, awesome when you're trying to hook the guy, <laughs> and then you get married, and I walked down this aisle. It was in the 80s. The biggest white hat veil thing you have ever seen. It was beautiful. <laughs> oh. 
It was the thing. Immediately, oh, I said, I'm, say, I'm keeping this thing. Go traditional because wedding pictures will haunt you. Yes. <laughs> go traditional. <laughs> but I knew the wife I meant to be. And she was going to be great and fun and so, you know, his greatest supporter and cheerleader. And one day I'm standing in the kitchen of our house with an ice pick getting the freezer. I didn't even know. Defrosting. Freezer. Yeah, this is, but we got married in the 1900s. So <laughs> yeah, right. some of you that are listening didn't, didn't even know what defrost. Yeah. We brought it used, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was stabbing that ice and he was out in the garage working on his car with his brother laughing and I was this is not what I signed up for. It just—it's not fun anymore. It's all about work, and I wasn't the happy wife that I knew I wanted to be. How long had you been together at that point, married? Uh, I mean, I mean oh. it was months yeah. after okay. we got so settled in. We both worked full time. But and... my brother's a lot of fun. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to be, but then I got so busy doing laundry and yeah. keeping the house and doing all the housework. And I think that women forget to laugh. They forget to smile at their husband. And I think laughter, you know, men crave respect from their wives. We've all learned that. I think withholding laughter when your husband's trying to get you to laugh is dishonoring. It's a way to disrespect them, especially dad's cracking up at the table. The kids are all, you know, you, part of humor is the punchline is, takes you by surprise, right? When you know dad so well, you know the punchline. You know where he's going with it. He says that the kids are falling over laughing. Someone spills their milk. And what happens to mom? Oh, great. Thanks. More work for me. Good job. And we just put a damper on the laughter. We put a damper on the joy in the home. And, you know, Nehemiah 810, here's Nehemiah, and he's giving the biggest pep talk of his life to the Israelites that are building a wall with one hand and have a sword in the other. And he says, here's the secret to your success. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you think about what we're building in our homes, we're building a house with one hand and we've got the sword of the word in our other to defend our families and to guide them towards a no regrets life by the truth. But we forget the joy of the Lord is our strength. We focus on the building and we focus on the sword, but we forget to just laugh and enjoy our families. Yeah. And Rhonda, I need to ask that question though. Where does that laughing together turn into resentment? Why does, a, in this case, a woman's heart as you're describing it, I'm sure the, sh- the shoe could be on the other foot. But what in the heart is taking place yeah, that dampens is... down that desire to participate in the healthy way, in the right way? Why is she bitter? Well, falling in love is all in your mind. You think on what is good, right, honorable, praiseworthy. You think on the best about that guy that's going to walk in the door or that girl that's going to walk in the door. Falling out of love is all in your mind. So it's really focusing on what you're thinking on. And the day that I was like ice pick in the freezer, I scared myself because I, I come from a long line of broken marriages mm. and I, I know I've watched it lived out and I've seen the danger when you stop thinking the best about your spouse and I knew I needed help. So that's when I was like, I want to find wives that enjoy their husbands. And I, and one of the stories that I tell in the marriage mentor, that is one of my favorite stories. I've been a pastor's wife. We've been in ministry for 36 years. He's been a senior pastor for 18. And when we moved back to California, I went to a minister's wives retreat and I wanted to meet older pastor's wives that loved being a pastor's wife because it's a hard job and people don't get it. I mean, it's right. Expectations, everything. Right. And I wanted to love it. And I wanted to raise PKs that are okay. And I wanted to see how it was done. And Titus two calls the older women to teach the younger how to love their husbands and love their children. And I'm like, I want an old lady to be my friend. And I went to (laughs) this retreat and there was a woman named Vi that I just this adorable little woman. She was married for 40 plus years to her pastor husband, just loved being in ministry. 
And I went to this retreat year after year. In fact, I'm speaking at that retreat this year. And we both have a heart for ministry couples. We have a a ministry that we work with couples that are in trouble because Satan attacks marriages of ministry families. Yes. So I attached myself to this precious woman. Well, her husband came down with cancer. And one year uh, she came back to the retreat after he had passed away. And she told this story. She said, after 45 years of marriage... And being in ministry together, Kurt on his last day was laying on the couch and he'd been incoherent. And then he woke up and he looked at her and he said, Vi, am I dying? And Vi said, she said, yes, Kurt, you're dying. And then she gathered her joy and she was this adorable, joyful little woman. And she said, but Kurt, you're going to see Jesus today. What is the first thing you're going to tell Jesus when you see him today? And she said, Kurt closed his eyes. And then he got a big old smile on his face and he looked at her and he said, I'm going to thank him for giving me you. Oh, man. Right. right. Every yeah. time I tell my story. It's like and, a movie scene. And the truth of it is we all want to be that wife. Yeah. And whenever I tell that at a woman's event or a marriage conference that we're doing and I say, are you the wife you meant to be? And then I tell that story, the tears fall because we know the wife we mean to be, but life gets busy. We don't take the time to build the marriage that we really hoped for. We don't find godly mentors and really having the joy of the Lord and having your husband want to spend time with you because you bring joy, a happy heart. You know, that really is a touching story that Rhonda shared. And it's so powerful to see a couple who honors God together and they end up on a really beautiful note like that. And um, Aaron, if you were to think about wives that you saw modeling that kind of relationship what are a couple of names that come to mind? I had a friend. It's interesting. Right when I graduated from nursing school and started into labor and delivery nursing, I was on night shift, and there was this precious English midwife named Barbara Mall, and ugh, makes me cry. <laughs> and it brings tears to me because she was just such a unique provision. In my life, I was engaged, getting ready to get married. And I remember there were several times on night shift, you have very deep conversations with people because there you are all night long, every night. And I just remember there were several times that she spoke into my life as an upcoming wife and just really grounded me in many different ways and then continued to celebrate me as a wife, me as a mom. And she just modeled that in the most gracious tone with her little English accent Mm. and just loved me and loved my marriage. And she modeled that in her own marriage as well. Yeah, that's an awesome power that those of us who are a little more seasoned need to, to employ more often. We need to be able to just have those relationships with younger couples and speak mm-hmm. from our own experiences, our own failures, frankly, and say, hey, this is something to consider. And uh, it's really important for you and your spouse to also just spend time together, uh, relaxing, letting life just kind of slow down and enjoying each other's company. And uh, I'd like to just remind you that we have, uh, Focus on the Family has marriage weekend getaways, which happen throughout the year in Branson, Missouri. It's a beautiful place. Greg, uh, talk about how special this kind of a getaway is for a couple. Well, as you said, I think so often in our marriage, we feel exhausted, busy, worn out, disconnected. So to be intentional to come to a place like Branson, Missouri, one, it's in the Ozark Mountains, so it's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. There's a slower pace there in the Midwest, so it gives you an opportunity just to slow down, to connect. In many ways, John, it's a vacation with purpose. 
Because while you're there, you can take advantage of some self-guided enrichment exercises. We've got so many good books there. There's so many opportunities to do things to strengthen your marriage in addition to reconnecting as a couple. Mm -hmm. Well, we have details about these marriage weekend getaways and how you and your spouse can go to Branson and really just unwind and get reconnected in better ways. Uh, The details are in the episode show notes. And while you're there, be sure to look for the link to uh, the book written by our friend, Pastor Ted Cunningham. It's called A Love That Laughs. Uh, Ted has such a good sense of humor, and the book is going to help you and your spouse laugh a little bit more, I think, in your relationship. Uh, It's out next week, but it's available for pre-order on our website, and we've got details about that and the weekend getaways in the show notes. Next time on Loving Well... For Amy, watching a movie means surfing Pinterest and reading a magazine, which puts all of the burden of watching the movie on me. Something will happen, and she'll be like, oh, what just happened? Pastor Ted Cunningham, uh, speaking about ways to have fun with your spouse. And husbands will share some great ideas as well for how you can better love your wives. And for now, on behalf of Greg, Aaron, and the entire team here, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Loving Well Podcast.